That intro music. Can we? I just <laughs> wish we could listen to it. Can again. we? Can we loop it just in the background? It just got those catchy lyrics, is the yeah. thing, and it grabs me every time I hear it. It just. This is exactly what I was afraid of. So we're gonna leave brown bags for a moment. <laughs> and we're gonna. Had enough we're of we're us. gonna push the reset. Thanks for coming out, guys. <laughs> Thank you no, for having us. This is wonderful. You, you know what I think is a good uh, a good little tradition for this show, Tom, is sharing a story about the building. Now, we had an individual who played here 15, 20 years ago, and he was the former front man for, I believe, the Smiths. What was his name again? That would be Morrissey. How do you, Tom Gaffey, feel about Morrissey? (laughs) Oh, dude. Can I be sued? (laughs) I think he's a... (laughs) (laughs) no but i mean you know there's something to this now tell us about your beef with morrissey tom Uh, you're gonna hear it here first tom gaffey has a beef with morrissey i've been i've been in the theater since i was 13 years old and morrissey is the second time i was ever kicked out of the backstage of the phoenix theater Uh. (laughs) yeah he was very i don't know he was a proper englishman i guess is the thing and he had his bus pulled up right outside right next to the stage door and when his show was over and people were still calling for a an encore, his bus was already, he had gotten out the door and his bus was halfway down the street before people realized they were lucky enough that they didn't have to have him come back out on stage. <laughs> Which, I, and that's my opinion anyway. He came out and he does a song and he looks out and he goes, Petaluma, I can't believe anyone lives here. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh my and the, and this girl, uh, Caitlin, whom I love very much, she, she's probably about fourteen or fifteen at that time, and she waves at him. She goes, "I do." He goes, "I'm sorry." Well, this you have to understand. This is Tom Gaffey's hometown. Heck yeah! I mean, damn. And you know, to all the international listeners guy. out there, the Phoenix Theater is in Petaluma. I don't even know if you can say this stuff, but mm. every time I think about that guy, I get upset. So I went moving towards the backstage. I, you know, screw this guy. You just can't do that here. And not, you know, or now I'll get a bunch of matter. people to, or anywhere for that matter. Doggone it! We have to put up with a name like Petaluma and all the jokes that come with that. <laughs> At any rate. <laughs> So I decided to go backstage and throw something at him. I thought maybe I'd try that. But uh, what he did have, it was a BGP show. Uh, Bill Graham, Graham Presents. Yeah, brought him in. Oh, yeah. And they had uh, a friend of mine, Nigel. They have Nigel uh, as the, uh, the backstage guy. And he was also a proper Englishman. And Nigel runs one of the tightest backstages. Uh, the British crews always do, I think. Uh, when <laughs> <laughs> They really do. And if you, you like know, tangents, you're going to love this show. You're <laughs> real. Die back there. <laughs> when you get, all you yeah, aspiring bands like, out there who want tour managers, pick a British one. Darn straight, you want a British tour manager. First off, the guy comes right to your back door with that British accent, and people start, you know, stepping too. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> so I go heading towards that exit right over there, house right, the house right uh, entrance to the backstage, and there's Nigel waiting for me. He knew I was coming, and he stopped me and was, "Sorry, Tom, I can't let you back here." 
But I would like here, because we're on the air, I would love to invite you back, Marcy, to come back to the Phoenix Theater and let me buy a roll of 50-cent pieces, and I can help you with this. <laughs> well, the open invitation is there. So if any of you are out there connected with Morrissey in any way, shape, or form, send him this link, and we'll see if you, we can get him in the building. Yeah, we'd love to have yeah. Morrissey back at the Phoenix. Now, to the matter at hand. We have four guys who are in a band called Brown Bags. So let's, let's do some introductions. We have Robert. Hello. We have James. Hi there. We have Skyler. Hi. And we have Andrew. How's it going? <laughs> okay, let me ask you a question. So uh, Gabe Moline was the editor of The Bohemian, very much so a music Such a nice guy who knows a lot. Most wonderful people. A lot of people love Gabe Moline, including pretty much everybody at this table. Yep. What a delight yep. Gabe Moline yes. is. Respect so, the yes. hell out of that. So Shouts was, out to Gabe Moline. Uh, yeah. uh, but I saw his like best of 2013 list, and I believe you guys were at the top of it, above <laughs> Beyonce and Kanye West that, and a number yeah. of other... I can, uh, I can tell you how excited I was to see that, because back in, back in like 2003, 2004, when I was first discovering the the fact that local music exists in Sonoma County or just the fact that local music is even a thing anywhere Santiago was one of like the main bands that was going on in Santa Rosa along who, now with, who is Santiago Santiago is Gabe Moline's uh Gabe Moline Josh Drake and um they had multiple bass players but notably Timosh Tony Mosh and yeah. Throughout the years, I I had noticed his like his presence at the Bohemian, and he had put out a few um, releases with Santiago since. And to see him come out after we put out this record, and without any kind of, without us sending it to him or any kind of prompt whatsoever he just goes online and starts saying stuff like these guys recorded the best goddamn ep we were we were about to play a house show it was going to be at my house and he took it upon himself to not only post the show that we were playing but he gave us like a full picture with a caption that says brown bags yeah super cool whose song should have won the grammy for number one single it's like oh gabe Gabe, yeah, we gush over that because none of us have ever been in a band that's ever exactly. got any kind of recognition before. You guys, I think, have all been here in a couple other projects before, haven't you? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah definitely. I think you so. have. And that's the cool part of it. And actually, we even got a legacy here. We've got Skyler, whose dad <laughs> played here when he was like... Yep. Keeping the tradition alive. 15 or 16, I think, back in the uh, uh, early 90s, late 80s, maybe. What's your favorite punk musician, Tom Gaffey? Oh, it's it's still Op Ivy. I think the the whole band. Oh, awesome, be, good answer. Yeah, it's got to be. What's the yeah. best uh, punk performance you think you've seen at the Phoenix? Jeez, <clears throat> oh, um, you know what? Weirdly enough, and this is really stretching it. Uh, if you're looking for the best indicative punk show, it would be a Lincoln show back here. Oh, cool. Yes. Hell yeah. Man, it was an incredible night, Keep and they were as punk as you can get. They were as punk as it gets. You know, the Briefs uh, had a very punk night here one time that I thought Ooh. was... Yeah, it was way out of hand. Also another great band. Very punk. Did yeah. Operation Ivy ever play at the Phoenix Theater? No, they played at the Katati Cabaret. Uh, and that's what where about I Rancid? Them. Has Rancid yeah, ever played here? Uh, so Rancid. Uh, Tell us about Rancid. It was, that sounds uh, like a story. It was uh, Rancid. They had just started playing as a band, and, and we knew they were going to be big. Everybody knew they were going to be big, and we booked them in here. And it was a Sunday night, and it was rainy, and we had 60 people. Oh, my God. It was a hard 60 for, people? 60 people showed Man. up for that. Uh, that happened with Napalm Death, too, here one time. 
which wow. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, some of the best bands uh, in the world have absolutely died on this stage. It is not the, uh, yeah, to everybody out there, not literally. Yeah, I know. We, <laughs> right. no, we may have lost a couple. Booked no. Rancid here. The tickets would sell out in like 15 seconds. Oh, yeah, on nowadays the they, it should have, and I think that. That might have been the first of two, and I don't think the second one did that well. They're such a great band. Oh my yeah. God, I couldn't. Yeah, it was it was a heartbreak, and it was because we did so poorly at the Rancid show. Uh, it, I think we paid fifteen hundred bucks for it, and it was Andy Summers, I think, who was booking it out of L.A. He's a booking agent. He is a booking, and he's still a booking agent. And he called me up several months later. And he said, "You know, I've got another band." Uh, coming out of Seattle that I, I want to bring in. I think you're going to love this guy. This guy is going to be one of the greatest songwriters of his time. Andy, how much? Well, it's $1,500. Oh, Andy, we're so broke. I can't take a risk of it. I've never heard of Nirvana, and I just... Oh, <laughs> no. Oh, man. Yeah, and I, I, I passed it up. Too. You... I did. Oh, man. I think you had a loser with Offspring, too, right? We had a loser with Offspring. You had a, you had a loser with Rancid, yeah. you had a loser with Offspring, and with then they offered you Nirvana. And, yeah, uh, and it was... Oh. That's strike three, man. Yeah, it was strike three. I don't know why I'm thinking of this, but I'm just thinking that tonight's going to turn into story time at the Phoenix, because everybody seems to enjoy that. No, we, what, what, about when, what about when uh, Bad Brains came through, or the main guy from Bad Brains came through uh, with HR, the Whalers? HR. Tell us that with story. With the Whalers. This is a story that everybody out there should like to know. Oh. <laughs> It started with um, HR. You know, nah, I won't go there. Anyway, yeah, good idea. He was backstage, uh, just sitting backstage before the show started, and then my staff came in, and the backstage guy goes back and sees HR just sitting in the back, kind of. And look, a- HR is a punk legend, would we say? Yeah, he is a punk legend. Bad Brains, uh, a very legendary punk, punk band. DC, Washington, D.C. Yeah, absolutely. But Excellent he's an angry acrobat. guy. And he's um, an angry Rastafarian. He's an angry Rastafarian, and our state, our uh, my backstage guy didn't know who he was, so he said, "Do you, do you belong here?" And, and HR wouldn't speak to him. He said, uh, "Do you have a stamp?" And HR wouldn't speak to him because you know I'm going to have to ask you to leave. I just <laughs> so by the time the whole exchange was done, uh, HR was now screaming and and absolutely I was to fire him at on the spot or he wouldn't play. But it put HR in a really bad mood. And uh, the opening band played, and probably the other band played. He was being difficult the whole night. And they got into the set, and they played one song with his back to the audience. And I think it was the second song he turned around and hucked a beer bottle out into the audience and hit some lady in the head. No. <laughs> no. And, and I think we didn't properly add that his backing band was the Wailers, right? His ba- And well, see, but that's the punchline, because at this point I was really upset. I'm not going to pay you. I'm not paying you. So How's he threw that? the bottle at the woman. He threw the, well, he just well, threw the, the bottle. Crowd. Yeah, indiscriminately out into the crowd. I don't believe he was aiming at anybody in particular. He hit a, a lady in the head. Uh, it ended the show, and then he walked off. He to, threw the beer to, bottle and walked off. To the off. young musicians out there. And left. Don't throw the yeah, bottles into the audience. Please don't throw the bottle into the audience. Bottles are very interesting on this stage, actually. There was Machine Head had an interesting bottle experience here. Well, we'll come back to that. Okay. So he I storms off. He plays he two songs. He storms off the stage. He plays <laughs> two songs. At that point, well, pff, in those days, oh, I was such a schmuck myself. I was, I was really famous for not necessarily signing the contracts and sending the deposits, which I had not done. 
So really, at that point, I was kind of holding all the cards. So really, not much has changed. <laughs> well, if it was, that's why nobody will do business with me in particular. They do business with Jim. Okay. Jim, Jim signs papers and sends things in the mail and just all these things. That I return I emails no too. You know, we're lucky Who? to have him. But so he storms off after two. So he storms songs. off the stage, and that's great, man. I am not paying this son of a gun. I'm not going to pay you. I'm not going to pay you. And his band, who gets left here in town, comes to me, and I know it's the Whalers. Yeah. And they said, man, we got no money. We've got no money. Oh, no. I've got, jeez, I've got two of the Whalers in front of me with no cash stuck in Petaluma on, on a, uh, God only knows what night it was. Uh, so I had to pay them just so they could get home. I was, uh, if it was anybody but the Whalers, I would not have paid. So how much did you pay them? Um, not the fifteen hundred. No, I don't think so. I probably gave him half. <laughs> what year was this, roughly? Oh man, would that have been? It's it was after after he had left. Uh, oh, bad brains. Bad, bad brains. brains. Yeah, yeah. It, well, they weren't broken up. They were on hiatus, and he was out doing his solo project. I want to bring up another one. This is a story I love. <laughs> I love this story. One of your favorites was playing on stage, but that backstage door before you oh. fixed it. Aaron Neville. Aaron Neville. It was the Neville brothers. <laughs> My dad would love to hear this. Oh. And he was and in every show in those days Aaron would do Amazing Grace, which by the way, I think since I heard um Joan what is her name? Baez. Joan Baez Slaughter Amazing Grace and some uh, not Slaughter. Joan, I'm sure you're wonderful with it. I hate that tune. And if you want to come on the show and defend it, Joan, we welcome you. (laughs) Absolutely. We're trying to fill 52 weeks out of a year with this. Actually, uh, a kid that that grew up on this stage has gone out and done sound with her a little bit, Brooke Nielsen. However, anyway, there was uh, was Aaron Neville doing um, Amazing Grace on the stage, and he does it beautifully, and he does it a cappella. And in those days, we had the big sliding door back to the back dressing room, and... The guy who was putting the show on goes, Tom, man, we got to get water backstage. Oh, God, we got to get water backstage. we got to get water for the... So I grab a case of water, and I go hustling back to the back through the back parking lot, and I eh, pull the big door open in the back, and it made this eh, screeching sound that... Uh, the way the story was told to me was it was completely silent in the auditorium. Oh, yeah. Everyone is listening to this beautiful moment beautiful on stage. Beautiful moment. Amazing grace. Absolutely. Except for his voice, all you're hearing, is, yeah. that's his silence except for his voice. And then Mr. Gaffey With the door. ruins the moment, the screech. Oh, yep, for 800 people oh, at the no. Phoenix Theater listening to Aaron Neville do Amazing Grace, which, you know, in, in that case would have been a glorious thing to hear. As beautiful as that tune is. Man, if you ever, and I know that's why they wrote that tune, if you ever need to get somebody to go to sleep, that's the tune to sing. <laughs> the ultimate lullaby, huh? Absolutely. Hey, you know what? God damn it, Tom Gaffey. What? Tell me about, uh, tell me about Popsicle Love Sponge. Popsicle Love Sponge? Oh, no. Come on. Yes. Are you, saying, are you saying come on to me, or are you saying come well, on to the situation? Popsicle Love Sponge. <laughs> I wanted to talk about how they... Yeah. Popsicle Love Sponge. All right, so Popsicle Love Sponge. It was, uh, it was one of the first shows we did. We were doing movies after... Oh, gosh, it was uh, Josh Gross, actually, from Moto Stillbirth, uh, was putting together this series of shows that we would do on Friday nights after the movie. And there'd be one or two bands. The movie would get done at 11.30, the band would come on, and one of them was uh, a Popsicle Love Sponge. Who had kicked their vocalist out that night? It, it was a great name, I thought, and they were as punk as it gets. And some of my favorite players actually were in the band. Nick Roberts, who is still a shredder on guitar, was in that band. They had kicked their singer out of the the the, the band, and this was going to be his last show. And they were playing a Hendrix tune. Voodoo? No, they were playing Voodoo Child. 
And I didn't recognize that tune. Honest to God, to this day, you're kidding. That was Voodoo Child? At any rate, because they're all great players. He had gone out in the middle of the shredding uh, uh, interlude. He'd gone out to his car, grabbed a chicken that he had back there, walked out onto the stage, no. raised it over his head, and ripped the head off the chicken, and threw the head out into the audience. I'm out in the lobby cleaning up. It's the end of the night. They've got one last tune, which is, you know, Voodoo Child. I didn't recognize it. And uh, Big Mike comes out and says, hey, Tom, you know, I think he just killed a chicken on stage. Well, of course he didn't kill a chicken on stage. That's <laughs> nuts. And so I come, well, all right, he didn't, but you should go look. Oh, well, I'm going to, I'll look. And I come down there and son of a gun, there is so much smoke. They had the smoke machine going the whole set. And all you can see is like shrouds of people, kind of shadows of people through the smoke. The only thing that was apparent was a chicken head out on the floor. In the middle. <laughs> no and way. And feathers and blood everywhere. But this is an important thing. You would think that that's the end of the story. This is probably in the top three most infamous Phoenix stories of all time. Well, this was my 15 minutes of fame was wasted on this dead chicken. We did interviews. I had... Well, uh, hold on. No, why did you do interviews? Because something came out that he had done something on stage. Oh, yeah. He killed a chicken. On, oh, and then, they, and, then, and then proceeded to uh, pretend to have a sex act with the chicken. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Oh my God! But and in, that and that is where the big story came. However, did he, did I can tell you the pic, the pictures <laughs> that came out in court proved that his pants were on no, and nothing th was. If he had just ripped the chicken's head off, this wouldn't even be a big deal. But the allegation was, and where did the allegation <laughs> come? He from? He had sex with the chicken. Where did that come he from? Was, well, the DA. Um, somebody told the police. He was and it, beca and it oh, became man. a big, big, big deal that yeah, he that he deal. had in, sex with the chicken on stage, and it and it and it blew up. It blew up. It got the courts got involved tom had to go testify in front of people they I were bringing know. kids out oh, yeah. and and it was international news international tom's news. getting phone calls from cnn from bbc and new york MTV. times yeah uh, LA, la times did somebody the, go on stage and have what? sex in it with a chicken did you yeah can you tell us about the chicken well paul harvey i can't tell you what he did with the chicken no way but i can tell you what happened in petaluma california the eight capital of the world no that's very minutes. important yeah. that, that actually happened what paul that harvey line, good day that line that he just said was on national television, national television. about the phoenix theater on Honest to God, oh, that was it. My 15 minutes of fame, dead chicken. However, when you get right down to it, this obviously is more than that. Well, dog. they went home and cooked the chicken. They actually barbecued it and ate him. I mean, well, that's right. No, this it is this is, is right. a very yeah, no. This was a very right. very important thing because it became this big thing. They were bringing kids out about how how oh, uh, we lost how a generation of they kids were. to it. Oh yeah, and, and the and the press that you got must have been awful. There were they had 300 kids that were mortified by this when in fact there were only 40 kids in the building so at the time. So are you, no, you're talking about at the court they were bring they were no, bringing they kids brought out. out Andy Smith at the age of 13, and I know. Before, before they, uh, before they were going to do this, his parents had said, "Please, you're not going to make my son do that." Okay, so it's the Sonoma <laughs> County DA versus the lead singer of Popsicle Love Sponge. Absolutely. <laughs> now, he hold gets... on. Was Popsicle Love Sponge was this a nationally famous band or just no, a Sonoma no, they County were, band? They were Sonoma County. Sonoma band. County oh, band. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, they put themselves on the map with that one. Uh, well, they would have, but that was their last show. <laughs> yeah. Right. So you had to testify, and you, to testify. you were trying to see this guy fry. Oh, I wanted to see him fry with six herbs and spices. <laughs> At with six or yeah. Yes, that would have helped. They asked him. They so, but the DA gets out there and he says, "So, Mr. Gaffey, have you 
Have you ever seen a sex act on stage? Well, no, I've never seen a sex act on stage. Well, I was in the Galaxy Club, but that wasn't really a sex act. <laughs> but that's beside the point. And it was a. Are you that, making jokes to the no, judge? I'm sorry, I didn't make a joke to the judge. Because you I know said, we've done some no. inspections with local officials here. You're always yeah. cracking jokes. No, I'm sorry, you got to stop cracking I jokes with the authority figures. I didn't say it to oh, the judge. I was no, because I really wanted to see this guy. I wanted to see something. Please, man. But. At any rate, he asked, well, have you ever seen, Did was he like moving his hips suggestively? Well, moving his hips suggestively? Have you ever seen anybody move their hips suggestively? You mean like Elvis, Elvis Presley? Well, like Elvis Presley, dude. That's yeah, exactly what I said. On. Like Elvis Presley. Well, now everybody's wondering, where, where's the DA going with this? This guy, Chip, was a very small guy. He was probably five, six or so. Not that big. And uh, after the chicken thing... I was going to go back and kill that son of a gun. So I go charging backstage because he wasn't up on the stage. The band was still playing. I go charging backstage. Now it looks like he's about maybe seven feet tall, and he's looking down at me. He's got blood and feathers all over him. And he goes, have you ever eaten a chicken before? Yeah. Well, maybe you should kill one first. Dude, <laughs> I'm going to go out and call the police now. Don't rip my head off. I'm going to back off. <laughs> rip my head off. Um, and they did not get paid. <laughs> I get things, well, great. That's, that's 20 bucks. I'm not going to pay these son of a bitches. <laughs> I get out into the lobby, and I didn't even know that it was such a thing, but somehow <laughs> two PETA members were out there attacking me. What? This is at one in the morning on in Petaluma. PETA shows up at the show. I mean, there were two. This ladies. is before the no, internet, ladies and gentlemen. Right about before the internet. Word had already gotten downtown. People were coming by, but there were two very upset ladies. With me. Nope, 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 nope. The guy you want to talk to is backstage. You can go have Adam if you want. I don't care. He's the guy with blood and feathers. <clears throat> He's the guy all with over blood him. and feathers. He's easy to find. Holy cow! A half chub. <laughs> You know what the weird thing is? No, there was no chub. It's there very no. important to know there was no chub. There was no. That chub. is our position. That's yeah, there was no chub. No. Okay. He, he had a friend in the audience that took pictures, and you could see all the pictures were clear as a bell. And I quit eating. I realized that I didn't. If I'm not going to kill it. I shouldn't eat it. And so that was the beginning. That was my first foray into being a vegetarian, and I am. <laughs> and you know we have we have popsicle love sponge to thank for that. Well, kind of we do, and that's what got him off, Mr. Gaffey. I understand that you quit eating meat after this. Well, yeah, I did, but that's not what this was about. No, I'm thank very. I don't need no. That's they asked not you that. On, they asked you that on the stage yes, or on the she bench. She did. She heard because I mentioned it in a newspaper story. You know, it's really had me thinking about eating meat. <laughs> and uh, son of a gun, they use that in court and. He barbecued the chicken, and honest to God, it was all, well, he actually, uh, it was his family's chicken farm, I think. So the chicken was killed appropriately, and that's the truth, because I remember my grandfather killing chickens when I was a kid, and that was it. You'd grab them up, and you'd just give it a twist, and boom. Rip that head off. You know, and it dawned on me, well, yeah, actually, I had been involved in that. I used to have to pull chicken feathers off chickens when I was a kid. But you forget all these things in the heat of the moment. The very best part of this, at one point, Andy Smith, God love you, you're up in Oregon being all adult now. He was 13 at the time. The DA hands the kid a rubber chicken and says, will you show us what he did with the chicken? Uh. (laughs) (laughs) And there is a 13-year-old boy rolling around the floor of a Santa Rosa courtroom showing what he did with the chicken. What a a great story that is. It was a rubber chicken. It was the damnedest stupid thing I've ever seen. And he got off scot-free because he ate the chicken. 
So that's the chickens. My store. God, we're learning so much about the Phoenix tonight. Yeah, now I want to hear about brown bag. Though. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not here for that. We're here to hear. Phoenix so, I mean, stories. I think the lesson the lesson to go away from this is you guys need to do something outrageous. Now you know Ozzy Osbourne's already bit the head off of a yeah, bat right. or whatever. It had been done by then. You know, and this guy's on stage fornicating with the chicken, whatever. Yeah, don't um, do that again. You know how easy it was before that? Well, just after that, actually, for five dollars in the manager of Hoodhouse, Skyler's dad's band. <laughs> would eat anything. <laughs> Give him five dollars and something cheeseburger. To eat. Cheese yeah, it was cheeseburger. That guy would eat anything and then he'd get in a fight backstage. That was punk. Classy. That was classy. It was a classy. Are you willing time. are you willing to book our band knowing that we're coming from that from that, <laughs> yeah, but no, no fight anymore. <laughs> uh, can, can I suggest a story that we talk about? I there's a great story about when Insane Clown Posse played here. Oh no! Yes, you got to tell it. Oh you man, this is a good story. story. Where was I that night? Well, <laughs> you were in your ma- mother's womb. <laughs> All right, the would not have seen them. Speaking of influences, we These just things always We just we <laughs> love ICP. We're a juggalo band. Okay, so ICP play. You you could probably tell this better than I, Tom, because I was not here. But I believe that you were accused of trying to start a riot with the Insane Clown Posse fans. Is that that correct? No, I really wasn't. But boy, I mean, we had, it wasn't huge. It It was a Thursday night, I remember that, and it was raining. We had about 450 people here. And I think it was Twisted was the opening band, and they played. Oh, uh, what a band Twisted is, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, in those days, they seemed earnest. <laughs> as they <laughs> were. <laughs> At any rate, and then uh, ICP had all of their equipment set up on stage. They were ready to go. And they looked out and said, well, man, there's not enough people here. We can't play. And so I'm standing out on the tile waiting for them to come. It's getting late. I want to go home. I want to get this thing done because people are starting to get crazy. And uh, the guy who was putting the show on it was... Um, Maritime Hall was doing it. So Boots from Maritime Hall. Maritime Hall was a venue in San Francisco. Venue in San Francisco. Great place. It was a great place to see music. Boots comes out. uh, Boots Houston comes out to and catches me outside. What a badass name, by the way. Boots Boots Houston. Really good. Boots. So Boots was uh, with Maritime Hall. He brings in... Insane Clown Posse comes halfway through the show. We're waiting for them to go on. He catches me out on time. He goes, hey, Tom, they're, uh, they're not going to go on. <laughs> what do you mean they're not going to go on? There's not enough people. Well, not enough people? Well, of, of course they're going to go on. All they got to do is walk on the stage and do a tune. Who cares? Just, of course they're going to go on. He goes, okay, well, I'll go talk to them. So he goes back in, and I'm standing out on the tile, and son of a gun, five minutes later, if their bus doesn't bunny hop over the sidewalk <laughs> and fishtail down the street, leaving their set, their equipment, their crew, the openers, everybody here. And Boots, we've got 450 people here wanting to see these guys, and Boots comes out, he goes, i got to tell you, it's really kind of sad. Uh, one of them is sick, and they won't be able to play. And I'll fuck that! Wait, is he on the stage saying this? He's on the stage. Okay. People thought oh, he's, I, he's on the he's on the stage making excuses for insane clown oh, posse. Absolutely, and I would have taken off Tom, my boots. You, you storm onto the stage, oh, don't you? I was Tom, upset, yeah. okay, Tom storms onto the stage. You got like what four hundred people in the not audience? Sick. There's nobody sick in that band. They left here because they didn't think you guys are worthy to play for. Tom Gaffey they, trying to incite a riot in the I'm middle of Petaluma, California. I'm into it. Hey, and crew. you you know what? You know how uh, unruly the juggalos are. Well, yeah, but they weren't juggalos in those days. They were a young band. Okay, and um, so their crew got paranoid. <laughs> thinking that I was trying to start a riot and they were afraid that- I don't know where they got that idea so they, <laughs> they, I wasn't someone is starting some rumors they called the police and the police came in and said Tom are you starting a riot down here no I'm not starting a riot these guys left and Just left being honest. Yeah. but you know what I'm looking around and God, they got some Marshall stuff up here and oh boy this is really great because I am one schmuck Pretty I'm going to keep something I bet I didn't they got all their equipment back and 
and they left. And I got the honor every year for five or six years. Their company would call me and ask if we were interested in booking them again, and I could say <laughs> no, thank you, and tell them from me. And you know what's funny? Thank if I, if I was here, I would have tried to talk you out of it. Yeah, right. You I would love yeah. to book Insane yeah, Clown yeah, Posse no, here. They've uh, always been so a personal you... inspiration for me and have really influenced the way that <laughs> I've grown totally into an adult. <laughs> I make a point of getting sticky every day of the week. Because I think I just when that, I... uh, that is a, a lyric, probably. It's it's it, getting, <laughs> getting an ICP it's, reference? Yeah, it's, it's, when you get, it's when you get a bottle of Fago and you shake it up yeah. and you just oh, spray it all over yourself and everyone around you. And it's... You what's know what's, Fago? Re- what's interesting is Fago is is a is a soda. So, it's it's yeah. a very popular it's soda really among jug. They on, spray on, it all over everybody. All over. They spray yeah. soda on everybody. We're Which is why it. we're a natural fit. You can spray whatever you want anywhere in this building. We yeah. encourage can, it. We don't as much as we used to. Yeah, um, that's true. We were set for it though. We had some things plastic off. We knew they were going to be spreading Fago all over the place and. Uh, yeah, they didn't. Not one figo was broken open that night. So when you said that you're going to tell a story about ICP playing the Phoenix, you're actually telling a story about when ICP <laughs> didn't almost play the played the Phoenix. <laughs> yeah. You know, Which we is, did a show with Twisted, oh. and uh, Twisted, we it was a no ins and outs show, and we weren't letting people yeah. go out and smoke. And the crowd, the the Juggalos. <sighs> They uh they're a passionate bunch we they will are say passionate. and we wouldn't let them smoke and like every five ten minutes they'd all come up and they'd be like hey we want to smoke and we'd say no and they said we want to smoke we'd say no and I got to the point I was in the box office uh, it's this little room and it's underneath the stairs going up to the balcony and they had converged upon the box office they were surrounding it and they were also up on the stairs and they were stomping 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 and they're yeah. shouting like let us smoke let and bullshit bullshit it was very very scary it's weird I, it was really 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 scary juggalos become an organism a single organism <laughs> yeah, once, they're and terrifying they are kind of terrifying they're you know. gonna make it though yeah, they uh, and and we did let them smoke. Well, we had Get to these people out of the damn building. We, they were taking we were taking our lives in our own hands. Yeah, yeah, it was all over we're cigarettes. Down the box. Tell Oops. me about uh, the specials and a bottle. Ooh, oh, rad. bottle hey. specials, dude, man, you're hitting all the points. Um, <laughs> that was one of my favorite nights. I love the specials. Yeah, tell us about the specials. I, you know, I'm a guy out there. I'm listening to this show. I'm like, oh, this is a pretty far out group of guys, but I don't great. know anything. We Who had the no specials. Kidding. It wasn't uh, <laughs> specials. Were one of the first ska bands that I ever heard, and they're absolutely incredible. I, I love their stuff, and I've tried to do it a couple times, to with not much great success. And uh, they even took from this town. I think Dimitri Katzoff. And maybe even Lincoln Barr to go do a short tour with them, and they offered Link or they offered Dimitri a position in the band, which he turned down. Yeah, he didn't want to play with them, I guess, or he didn't want to go out on the road. And I can understand that. But uh, they were uh, again. I think it was Big Mike or one of my security. Hey, Tom, uh, their guitar player player is is throwing bottles around back in the back dressing room. Oh, geez, what? So and it was. Uh, and he's kind of—he's not a big guy. He's actually hey, kind bigger of a nice than guy. bigger than you. I think he'd been drinking a lot. I would assume that's what was going on there. And I go back there, and he's kind of just sitting back there now. And there's broken glass on the floor, and big table full of empty bottles. And I, you know, there's one thing about the Phoenix Theater that if anybody's going to throw bottles around, there's only one person that throws bottles here. Are you and saying this, or is this an inner monologue? That's what I told him. So you go backstage and you start the line again, Tom. What'd you say to him? I said, "There's only one guy that throws <laughs> bottles in the Phoenix Theater, and it's me." And I picked up a bottle and threw it against the wall, and without saying a thing and missing a beat, 
He doesn't even look at me. He picks up a bottle and bam, slams it against the wall. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Boom, bam, and I throw one, and bam, he throws one, and bam, I throw one. There is glass flying everywhere. It was fantastic. Oh, my God. That's so probably, he, that's so he, was, he was drunk, and how Maybe, drunk were I'm you? Assuming, were you I drunk? No, I don't, I don't drink. I was not drunk. Oh, it was great. Have you guys ever smashed a beer bottle? Have you ever smashed a mostly full 40? <laughs> Wow. That's my favorite That's line my of the favorite. night. Have you guys ever smashed a beer bottle? <laughs> Have you smashed a, fat, a, a half full 40? What a glorious it's, experience. Uh, is it glorious, would you say? It is. There's something Fodies in particular. <laughs> when you smash a 40, when you grab a 40 out of some kid's hand and go, check this out, smash, boom, glass flies everywhere and, and the beer is foaming. It just, it's such a release. It's cathartic, really. It is cathartic. It's freeing. <laughs> Cleansing is really a cool thing. Refreshing. <laughs> I think everybody ought to try it. Instead of drinking the beer, you should just smash it. I think uh, that that's what we're going to take away from this show is smashing 40s. next time that we play live, we all got to go smash some 40s. Smash just some 40s. You. Can we end this segment with the sound of a 40 smashing, smashing. against the smashing thing? <laughs> there was, sure, there we'll was. put it in right now. There, there it was. That was Get out. awesome. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, have you? What, what's the most, Tom? What's the most physical you've ever gotten with somebody in your oh, thirty what? years here? Have you ever punched a guy in the face? No, no, or a no. girl? I've been punched, but I <laughs> no, uh, no, I've never punched anybody. We, in the old days, you've been punched. I've been punched. Tell oh, us, man. tell us an experience. Oh, that was it. Down the street, I was not expecting it. Uh, there was a lady that smashed one of my neighbors, and she was not one of our customers. Forties. She no, she smashed one of our neighbors' windows, and so I got a finger on her collar as she was running, uh, and pulled her back. I said, "You're not going anywhere," and she had a lock in her hand. Holy cow! And she swung around and caught me right in the face with that one, and that put me down. How long ago was that? Eh, Twenty years, I bet. The thing, uh, and I didn't lose her, though. I held on to her for the police. She was absolutely crazy. She was having a mental breakdown, and there was no point in even pressing charges. The poor lady was nuts at the time. I don't know where she is now, but that was the one that surprised me. I, she was a small lady, and I thought, this is not going to be a problem, and I grabbed onto her, and holy cow. You know, you do need to, and I, and I laugh about all this stuff now, but at the same time, I do want to point out... Um, probably my dearest and best friend was killed in a knife fight uh, three blocks from here down by the river. And nobody was expecting that to happen either. So I can laugh about these things now, but I, I won't get involved in any more fights. Um, and I just, you know, I, I really don't want them to happen. In the early days when we were a punk house, man, some of the pits and some of the action, and we had one of the greatest, I had one of the greatest staffs in the world, and we could wade into the middle of anything and I felt totally, totally safe. And mm-hmm. some of the stuff that I saw was, for a young man, it was incredible. But I was uh, blessed that nothing bad did happen. And I know now when I lost Nate Rifers, uh, holy cow, in the wink of an eye, in the blink of an eye, everything changes. So as much as I can laugh about it, no, there's nothing good about but it. So fight. this, this when, when Nate was killed, that, that changed your whole outlook on probably yeah. the last 20 years, huh? It, you it, probably had to reevaluate all the crazy quite, stuff that you, know, you saw and experienced. I, I have, and, and now I, yeah, you know, I, it took me a while before I could even watch an action picture after that. It's not, you see guys just go on movies and shoot people up, but boy... I mean that it can't happen because Nate, Nate's thing was a, was a, was a similarly weird thing. It was a similarly two weird two people thing. were in a, a dispute or a scuffle or something. Yeah, there was a scuffle downtown, and Nate and his friends. This was so weird. It was uh, we had Devil Makes Three here, and quite frankly, uh, Nate was the one that turned me on to that band, and it was a sold out night, and it was just jumping. What a great show! 
and Nate and his crew were down from up north. Uh, they were Mendo boys, and uh, they were just having a great night. And after the show, they all went down to uh, hit the bars, and they came upon another one of their friends who was being who was. Uh, this guy had pulled a knife and taken and actually poked him a couple times. So them being mountain boys uh, gave chase, and this sure. kid just happened to stick his hand out, and Nate ran right into the thing. And uh, whoa, uh, we're not uh, we're not immortal. I did <laughs> I did love a good brawl in the early days, but it's not safe. It's not safe. Do you feel like the, the world has changed, or do you feel like yeah. you just got lucky? Because this was no, this, this building we're in right now. I mean, this this was the center of a lot of aggression, yeah. a lot of a lot oh, of egos, were... a lot of anger. Oh, gosh. People punching it out. So and you was... you would still do it all in, again, in despite those what you witnessed. After a night of of uh, pits, uh, stage diving, uh, fists, a little bit of blood, um, some urine. The, uh, yeah, probably urine, some puke, whatever. An incredible amount of incredible music at the end of the nights. You'd have seven or eight hundred or nine hundred people leaving this building. Like, Fuck yes, that was the greatest thing I've ever had, and it made sense in those mm-hmm. days. We all made it. You know, everybody everybody lived through it, and, and it was a great way for a lot of kids in the late eighties and through the nineties that had a ton of aggression and a lot of pent up emotion. Uh, they could blow it all out for four hours here, and it was from this from the first band to the last band. Holy cow, what an experience it was! I wouldn't have given it up for anything. But it's a different world now. Um, holy cow, people people are stabbing each other and shooting each other. And that was, I grew up in Petaluma when it was a brawling town. And nobody would ever think about getting, you know, shot or stabbed. So how do you think people let out their aggression now? Or do you think we're just all well, look at the music. seething <clears throat> um, Well, I mean, you get what you guys are doing, and you guys let it out by looking inward, I think. I noticed Brown Bag. Uh, fascinating. I don't know if you looked at really the way it's presented on your website where you have the lyrics and the lyrics are in a block, not particularly lined, but written in the thought. So you don't catch uh, necessarily the pentameter, the rhythm or the rhyme, mm. but you catch the feelings uh, as it's written as one piece. And I thought that was fascinating. I love that about that. That's awesome. Yeah. And you guys, but I think that's how it happens in many ways. You go inward. Instead of going out, you go inward. And I think nowadays that's probably the safest way to do it, really. Perhaps you would like to channel some of it on the stage right now and play us a few songs. Why, Jim? I haven't played the Phoenix stage in a year and a half. I, I've Ooh, never played the Phoenix a... stage. <laughs> Bullshit. Oh, wait, yes, no, I have. totally did. Yeah. You're, oh, right. <laughs> BS. Oh, but let's do it. Let's get some songs and uh, maybe one song, maybe more songs, whatever maybe you want to do. Let's yeah. do one. One, two, three, four, five, six. Never put up a fight. Now he's got to pay the price. He's in the state penitentiary. Doing 20 to life. He knows he dug himself to this hole. But everything will be all right if he just waits on parole. The nights are as empty as the days are long. But... Better if he knew what it was he did wrong. I'm sure if he's guilty, but it can't be out. Cause whatever the reason he knows, he brought it on himself. He fights familiar comfort, living in between. Oh, 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 oh. 
Cause he doesn't want to sin Alone in an empty cell For a crime he didn't commit Inhales deeply And counts to three Rips the bars out from the wall He was out, but he wasn't free You see, the gods are waiting I with Billy Clubs and Ace One had a 45 Pointed right at his face when the dust is set up, he was the only one left to stand. The one stepped up from the shadows and put up his hands. He said, I'm sorry we kept you here. You would never evolve. Now that you've done your time, we forgive your brains and assault. Will our heroes start to roll? He felt his heart begin to harden. When it finally turned to stone, he said, I don't need your fucking that acoustically before and that's an unreleased song right it's unreleased, unreleased. when it's released it's gonna sound a Untitled. lot louder and a lot faster Officially. and a lot weirder than that that's a great song thank you guys for kind of debuting it to the world with yeah. us yeah on stage with jim and tom man we're every hey. tentatively called ernest goes to jail Actually, they had that. That is a movie, though. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's <laughs> a very, that's why we're not good calling movie. it that. It's such a good movie. <laughs> hey, I wait a minute. Out <laughs> and rent that movie. Where have I heard that before? Rent, don't, rent. don't sue us. Rent Ernest Goes to Jail, Ernest Scared Stupid, and Ernest Goes to Camp. And the, Hey, and can we sad. do one one fun thing before you we go? I, mean, I know we're, we're wrapping it up here soon. But, well, maybe. Um, we're kind of just hitting our, our vibe here, but go ahead. Uh, we have like this running inside joke with James, and uh, we've been given one last chip. And I'm cashing it in right now. We were going to do it at a show. We were going to cross our arms and be like, we're not going to play this show. Yeah, but we couldn't do it because we thought it would piss him off. But he seems to be to be a good sport tonight. So James does a really good uh, Monty Python. And he said that he would never do it again if we asked him to do it. We've made him do it so many times since like We have one more in the bag. And so if this is the last one he ever does, then then it's going going down right now. I'm, I'm shaking. This is the last time I'll ever hear him do it. To, for all the hardcore Monty Python fanatics out there, I've been doing this so many times now, way, way many more times than I've actually seen the movie. So this is in no way 100% accurate to the movie, word for word. It's the James word. Ryle version. Yes, exactly. It is the James Ryle version of the Holy Hand Grenade. And here we go. Book of Armaments, Chapter 2. Verses 9 to 21. 
And St. Attila raised the holy hand grenade on high, saying, O Lord, bless this thy hand grenade, whom with it thou shalt blow thine enemies into tiny bits in thy mercy. And the Lord did grin, and the people did feast on the lambs, and the sloths, and the carp, and the anchovies, and the breakfast cereals, and the fruit bats, and the la... Oh, skip a bit, brother. <laughs> and the Lord spake, saying, First I shall remove thy holy pin, then shalt thou count to three, no more, no less. Three shall be the number thou shalt count, and the number of the counting shall be three. Four shalt thou not count, neither shalt thou count two, excepting that thou proceed to three. Five is right out! (laughs) And then, once three, having been the third number be reached, lobbyest thy holy hand grenade towards thy foe, whom being naughty in my sight shall snuff it. Amen. Amen. One, two, three. Three, sir. That was awesome. Jesus. I'm almost sad that I'm never going to hear it again. Oh, no, I'm going to listen to this uh, recording like every other day. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to edit that out and set it as my alarm to wake up every morning. So I'm free. So. I'm free. I am free. Uh. All right, let's see the song. Glasses Roll out 
song to end on. That was really great. So, yeah, let's do that one. What'd you think about that? I huh? thought we did that one. That was great. Yeah, let's publish that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, Brownbacks, thank you guys so much for joining no, us. Thank oh my you, God. Man. Thank this you for so having fun. us. This was, this was a blast. So I'm so jealous fun. that you get to do this every week. I know. <laughs> I want to just come hang out and listen because listening to Tom tell these stories is. What? Well, this podcast should have been started like five years ago. No offense to you guys, <laughs> Seriously. but yeah, this is awesome. We're making up for lost time, um, <laughs> but it was a, really a treat, you guys. You yeah. know, you guys should come back again. We can we can just mess around, or we can talk about other stuff. There's plenty There's of shared thing. interest we have. Really you know? quick story, and and I got the same feeling when I was watching you guys play. When I was a little kid, my friends met uh, my friends. My parents met a band called the Irish Rovers, and they were a band of Irishmen. They were playing out at Danucci's. And we used to have them come over to the house and eat dinner, and they would play in the living room. And it was, you, know, you guys hit those moments for me. It was uh, very cool. It's cool to watch you guys play acoustic like this and oh, right. get to be be able to sit in front of you and, and see you do it live. It's absolutely special. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Brown Bags. And thank you, everybody. From Brown Bags, thank you to Tom and Jim. We love you. Thank you. It was our honor. Thanks, guys.